Welcome back to the Crash Course Podcast. My name is Craig Crash Collins. I'm joined as always by Brandon Scott. You know him as B. Scott. Well, the NBA preseason is right around the corner, and so it's time to talk some Indiana Pacers. You know, we had our our month of uh, previews for for all the football stuff, and now that we're in October, which is the greatest sports month of them all, it's time to get into some Indiana Pacers conversation. Today, we're going to talk about what excites us about this year's team, um, the storylines you should be watching heading into the season. We're also going to predict where the uh, Pacers will end up in the Eastern Conference, how we think they're going to fare. Um, and we're also going to get into some uh, national stuff as well. I mean, we got to give our you know NBA Finals previews and see uh, where that's all going to end up. So, or not preview, but just give our predictions for who we think is going to be hoisting the trophy at the end of the year so you know it's time to get into some hoops b scott of course you know we're smack dab in you know a, a basketball a basketball state excuse me so excited to uh to to get back and talking about some pacers especially because i mean i feel like when we've talked about pacers before on the podcast it's been kind of doom and gloom because i think the last time we've talked about them we've talked about like you know, Victor Oladipo leaving, and we've talked about, you know, the Paul George trade and the Pacers not being able to win playoff games and all this and that. And, you know, now I feel like the Pacers are on a good path, and I'm actually really excited to see how they do this season. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this is an exciting time of the year. I mean, you got college football in full swing, NFL in full swing, Major League Baseball in the postseason. Speaking of which... Uh, Got to give a, a moment of silence to one of the great October pitchers and um, Tim Wakefield, who passed away just the other day um, as a Red Sox fan. That one that one hurt, um, you know, the, my opinion, the greatest knuckleballer ever. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite one of my favorite pitchers. Um, I you know, I'm not a Red Sox fan, but I uh, but I, I did enjoy watching him pitch. Um, you know, anyone that can throw a knuckleball, it was just something to watch. Um, and I, yeah, one of my buddies texted me that I didn't, I wasn't aware that he was dealing with anything. Um, so I, I wasn't either. It was, it, it shocked me, yeah. threw me off guard for sure. But that's the best thing about, you know, October, you know, Tim Wakefield lived for those moments. So what better way to honor him than really kind of get more pumped up about this month. So, but Hey, you're right, though. The Pacers, there's finally some excitement around them. And it it is that excitement is real because you have seen the progress this team has made and you've seen the path that they have been on. And you were okay with the rebuild because you knew you felt there was a plan. You you knew you could see the plan. So now things are starting to kind of come around. We're we're over coming over the bend, I think, over the hilltop into where the Pacers are hoping to be. Yeah, and what really helps too is you've got a guy like Halliburton locked up. I know I know that, you know, in the current state of the NBA that, you know, doesn't, you know, nothing really means anything. You can, you know, cuz I'm pretty sure Damian Lillard had just gotten an extension right before he asked to be traded away. So you never know, but you know, so far so good. You got your, you know, your your star, the guy you're going to build around locked up for a while and hope that hopefully that means um, you know, that can lead to some uh, success because I think that's where we kind of ended up like, you know, because we used to talk Pacers more than we do now. 
Um, but it was just kind of getting to a point where we were like, you know what, you know, it seems like it doesn't really matter what the Pacers do because there's going to be, you know, that bigger and better team that's going to just go out and get, you know, three superstars and and be amazing. So, um, but yeah, I, th- I really think the Pacers are in a good spot. Um, and, and we've seen what's really intriguing, too, is that we've seen the last few seasons some small market teams getting, you know, hoisting the trophy, getting the NBA Finals, uh, you know, Milwaukee, win. Milwaukee, Toronto, Denver. But, you know, what's great about the Pacers is that they're getting back to where they want to be the way they have done it historically, meaning draft, build your own talent. I mean, you make a few moves here and there to bring in some young up and coming talent that needs a, a fresh start and you build the right pieces around in free agency. Not, you're not going to get the stars in free agency, but you're going to build the right pieces around it. And I mean, when you look at when the Pacers were really good during the Paul George era, it was Paul George, Roy Hibbert, Lance Stevenson, a, um, a lot of guys that they, that they drafted. And then George Hill, you know, they brought him in on a trade. David West was a key free agent signing. You're going to, you're always going to have a maybe one there. And then you look back in the nineties with, you know, Reggie Miller, Rick Smith, a, a lot of different draft pieces there. So the Pacers are getting back to where the way they built teams in the past and it, it the, all signs are pointing up, maybe not contenders uh, right immediately, but the, the, the trajectory is pointing upward at this point. Well, it all gets back going on Sunday. It's the first preseason game. It's the 8th. The Pacers will be at Memphis. That's followed by a trip to Houston to play the Rockets on the 10th. Final two preseason games are at home Monday the 16th against the Atlanta Hawks. And then the final preseason game is on October 20th versus Cleveland. And then the Pacers will open the season um, Wednesday, October 25th at home against the Wizards in the 2023-24 campaign will get underway. Um, looking at what the Pacers did this offseason, looking at acquisitions, uh, they acquired Obi Toppin uh, from the Knicks for two future second-round picks. A transaction to note, this isn't technically an addition, but they uh, signed Tyrese Halliburton to a five-year, $260 million uh, max contract extension. That's what we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, in the draft, uh, the Pacers got Jairus Walker from Houston, uh, ben Shepard out of Belmont, Mojave King out of out of the G League Ignite. He will play overseas uh, this coming season, and Isaiah Wong out of Miami. Uh, some departures. One uh, that you know that we were kind of sad to see, and that's uh, Chris Duarte. He was traded to the Kings. Uh, I know we were super excited when he got drafted a couple of years ago and had a really good first season, but kind of tailed off. Yeah, um, he was one of those guys that needed a, a change of scenery, perhaps for, for sure. Um, so looking at this season just in general, uh, you know, kind of looking at what excites us about this season before we kind of get into some other storylines here. Uh, what excites me about this Pacers season is I'm just excited to see the team potentially get back in the postseason and seeing this young core continuing to gel, continuing to mesh together, um, because we're on year three of the current uh, rebuild, and this squad has continued to improve each and every year. Uh, in 2021-2022, they were 25-57, and 57, 13th in the East. Last year, they were 35-47, and 47, 11th in the East. Uh, the Pacers were in the playoff hunt as late as mid-January last season. 
They were sixth in the East, East on January 10th, 23 and 18 at the time. That was around the time that Tyrese Halliburton started dealing with injuries. Uh, he had played 40 to uh, 42 games to that point. He did miss 24 of the final 40 games. And speaking of the absence of Halliburton, um, the Pacers were 28 and 28 in games where he played uh, and 7 and 19 in his absence. So that means a healthy Halliburton should mean the Pacers should hover around 500. And if things click, who knows? Maybe they end up back in the postseason. So, I mean, and I know that, you know, hey, 20 of the 30 teams get in the postseason, but still <laughs> to get back to get back to that point would still be a good thing for Indiana. Yeah, you know, I'm really excited about seeing how this young core can take that next step. Um, because, I mean, this is Tyrese Halliburton's team now. I think the experience he gained from being on Team USA for the World Championships over the summer is going to be invaluable. One, because it's leadership experience. It, it's more time for him at a high level, but it could pay dividends in the future with some of these guys wanting to come team up with him. Um, because they, I mean, obviously you're seeing the Pacers are willing to make investments now. Um, but I'm just really excited to see how this, this team can gel. I mean, Miles Turner is coming off of a career year. Um, so it'd be interesting. This is like the first off season that, or first time going into a season that we haven't had Miles Turner trade rumors. Um, right. it's like, he is now officially a part of <laughs> the, the future plans. Um, so, you know, it's time. I'm, I'm just, I'm very curious to see how that happens. It can Benedict Mathurin, can he make that jump from year one to year two that you, uh, you, you see uh, so often and uh, who can step up at the four slot? Cause that right now on paper, when you look at this team, the four slot is probably the weakest position for the Pacers. I mean, I'm not, a, I can't say it's the weakest, but it's the most unproven, I guess I could, I'll say not the weakest, but the most unproven. So I'm interested to see how that position can come together, especially with the drafting of Jairus Walker and then the, uh, the free agent or the trade acquisition of Obi Toppin. Um, is Jairus Walker going to end up at the four or is he going to play more of the three? How's that going to all pan out? So there's a lot of really cool, interesting storylines surrounding this team heading into the season. Now you mentioned trade talks. This is this is being the first year um, that we haven't really had a lot of Miles Turner trade conversation, uh, but that kind of segues us beautifully into our hot and cold uh, questions because uh, we've got three of them. Um, if you're new to the show, we're gonna I'm gonna give a take and we're gonna say whether or not that take is a hot take or a cold take. And the first one that I have on here is. Uh, Buddy Heald will be traded before Jonathan Taylor does. Uh, this was kind of a, um, you know, it's kind of funny that we ha they're both, you know, we talked about in the Colts preview, oh, you know, the Jonathan Taylor trade, what's going to happen there? And now we have trade uh, discussions going on with another star player on an Indiana team that we're uh, previewing. Um, and it's eerily similar, uh, you know, how these two situations are. The Pacers slash Colts are looking to acquire first-round talent for their superstars after extension talks broke down. Many believe that they'll only get second-round talent at best, which, I mean, in the NBA, that's like basically, you know, second round is, is not really super important, or at least, you know, from the from the untrained eye, I mean, I'm sure there's an NBA diehard that's like, oh, you can find some really good talent in the second round. Okay, maybe, but, I mean, it's it's <laughs> you're really looking at the first round, uh, and that's pretty much it. Um, you know, both front offices – 
have expressed hope to keep their superstar on the squad. Um, and honestly, and uh, and in all honestly, in my eyes, this waters are pretty mu- muddy on both ends as far as you know, because I was, you know, my brain was hurting when I was looking at, because I was like trying to go at it from, I, w- I was trying to actually predict it, like, oh, when might Jonathan Taylor get traded? Oh, when might Buddy Heel get traded? And it was actually hurting my brain because I was like, well, you know, this this article says this, and this article says that, and and these execs think this, and. This expert thinks that. I was like, you know what? This doesn't even – I mean, it's just a question <laughs> that we're posing. I don't need to get that detailed with it. So I was like, you know what? What do I just actually think is going to happen? Um, and for me, uh, the NFL trade deadline is October 31st. Jonathan Taylor could play by week five. Uh, you know, He's looking to play this week. He's returning to practice. Uh, and he's got four games roughly to make a case for himself to be traded. Uh, and we, so we might see him in these this next month or so. If he goes off, then – you know who knows. Um, and Bleacher Report has has the Pacers are at around 38 wins, which would still keep them around 11th, uh, which would still keep them at 11th and outside the playoff picture based on last year's records. At the end of the year, that would still you know the Pacers had 35 wins, they improved to 38. Last year, uh, the 10th seed was like 41 and 41, so they would still technically be out. Um, but in that same Bleacher Report article. Um, as well as some other Pacers previews, I've seen the Pacers have, uh, you know, have a higher ceiling. Some teams, some people project them to be in the postseason. So honestly, I have this as being a cold take. Um, I think the situation is, um, you know, the um, the Pacers have until uh, essentially February to move healed. He was ninth in the NBA last season in three-point percentage and has consistently been one of the best shooters from beyond the arc in the league. Uh, eight, nearly half of last season's playoff teams finished at the bottom of the league and the bottom half of the league in three-point percentage. And if that trend continues uh, in, into the regular season, then Heald will have a pretty solid market. Um, and without looking into the money and the draft capital, because I know that's a big uh, issue. I mean, you, you could see a team like Miami who missed out on Damian Lillard, um, who was you know a team that was at the bottom of the three-point you know, the three point percentage last season, maybe they're a possible landing spot um, for, uh, you know, for Buddy Heald, uh, you know, in, in a trade. Now, hopefully they, I, you know, I projected Jonathan Taylor to go to the bears. Hopefully the heat fare better than the bears have this season. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately where I ended up with this is we've seen years and years of miles Turner trade rumors that have never panned out. We, I feel like for like five years straight, we heard miles Turner tra- is going to get traded. Turner is going to get traded. He never did. And so I just ha- don't have a lot of confidence. I don't really want the Pacers to move on, but I don't also have a lot of confidence that they will. And I could see this coming down to whether or not the Pacers are in the playoff hunt. I know another argument would be, well, the Pacers haven't really cared if they're in the playoff hunt as far as making moves, but I could see it being like, okay, Heald is helping us, uh, so we're in the playoff hunt. Let's go ahead and keep him. He gives us a good chance to uh, succeed. Um, And if the Pacers are out of it, if Halliburton's hurt, and the Pacers are well under 500, then they say, okay, you know what? Let's see what we can get for Heald. Let's get something back. So I, I see it being a situation where the Pacers kind of wait and see how they're going to be um, and, and where they're going to end up and then making a decision closer to the trade deadline. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I do believe Jonathan Taylor will get traded before Buddy Heald. And mostly because I don't think the two situations are all that similar. One, Buddy Heald was kind of, he was brought in on a trade and he was kind of contract filler to make the deal work out 
equitably as far as money goes. And the Pacers were just pleasantly surprised that they, with what they got from him. I don't think Buddy Heald has ever really been a part of the deep future plans for this team. And I think that's where they're, they're kind of coming in at opposite ends on the contract talks. Buddy Heald hasn't made any mention of wanting a trade. He hasn't made any mention of not wanting to play for the Pacers. The Pacers have pretty much said, hey, look, we're, we're kind of at an impasse right now. So while we'll keep talking, but at the same time, we'll let's start looking to see if there's any trade partners out there. So that way we can maybe get you into the situation that is better suited for you for the future that may give you that op- that money opportunity. But and Buddy's like, yeah, that's fine. At the same time, he's all on board with this team in the now. Um, whereas I don't feel like Jonathan Taylor is. I don't even know if Jonathan Taylor will even suit up this weekend, to be honest. I think he... I think he's done, done with the Colts. But, you know, I, I don't feel like this is a dirty breakup, uh, ugly breakup or anything between the Pacers and Buddy Heald. It's just they're both wanting to look out for the best for him. Um, but yeah, in the I meantime, just, he's... I just meant I think, the, I, the, muddy, the waters were muddy because I don't really know what to believe from the reports that I heard. That, that's all I'm saying on that end. I don't yeah, I know. The fact, that, the fact that Buddy Heald hasn't come out and trashed anything makes me feel makes me feel better you know um and the fact also that um during the preseason media day um the pacers gm said yeah yeah we i mean you're always looking but buddy healed is part of this team you know we want him to be a part of this team so he said all the right things and i don't know um i think the local media is trying to blow it into a jonathan taylor type situation um when it's not, but I do believe, I mean, just based off of when trade deadlines are, Jonathan Taylor will be traded before Buddy Hill. And you're right. The Pacers are going to look at this, like, where do we stand right now at around the trade deadline? And then is there somebody that's in a better situation that's like, okay, we are that we're one shooter away from being in better contention. I mean, look at a team like the Lakers, for instance, that is a team that could come knocking at the trade deadline in February because they need a, an additional shooter to try to make a run during the postseason. Um, so there's, I think right now when you're looking, yeah, you're not going to get the value that is potentially there come trade deadline. When there's that desperate team, that's like, man, I just need that one piece. Then you might be, I mean, look, you might be able to get something of higher value. Um, because then, if you're, when you're looking at the the trade deadline and teams that are in contention, those teams are picking on the back half of the first round. So if they give you a first round pick, it's really essentially similar to an early second round pick, to be honest. So it's it's not much of a loss for them for the contending team as far as draft capital goes, because what they're getting out of Buddy Heald is going to be better than what they get at the back end of the first round. Um, but it'll be interesting. I. The only worry I have with the whole Buddy Heald situation is how is this going to potentially hinder the development of Benedict Mathurin? Um, you know, are they going to start Mathurin over Buddy Heald or are they going to start Heald over Mathurin? It, it's 
it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, but at the same time, because Buddy Hill's not in the future plans, obviously, you really don't want that to hinder the growth of Mathurin. Yeah, I, I had just seen some uh, articles where um, they were talking about heel could be moved like before the season starts. Um, and I think I think if he's he, I think like, that's a bad that right I was, well and i was thinking like that would be like this this time in the trade deadline are really the only two times that kind of make sense you either want to bring him in before the season starts um so which is why yeah, i posed the question the way i did you know hey you know would they you know because jonathan taylor you know or or you know technically he could be traded you know this week because you're trying to get him before the preseason but yeah i think i think it's it's they're better suited you know to wait and see on what happens because yeah i think I think this team has the potential to to do good things with healed, even if it's just for one more year. Because yeah, I mean, the, it, it for no matter what, this is gonna pro- be most likely the last year that Buddy Heal is in a Pacers uniform. Oh right? yeah, and so. you know, if if it is, if that's the case, hey, he came in and played a wonderful role for this team, and I think people were pleasantly surprised because if you would have asked the Kings fans. When he they trade when he got was part of that trade for Sabonis, they were like, okay, he's yours. Just we just want him out of here. Just he's taking up cap space, and he comes in here and started playing with a chip on his shoulder. And you know, I, I was I really liked. He was one of those guys that he's never he's probably not going to be viewed as one of the best Pacers of all time, and people may forget him. But you're going to look back and go, as some true Pacer fans are going to go he was a, a really good Pacers player. It's kind of like when Peja Stojakovic was a Pacer, you know, didn't light it up, but was just a solid player for the team at the right time. Right. Um. So uh, moving on, um, the next take that I have is Jairus, hot or cold, Jairus Walker will be the biggest uh, impact, will make the biggest impact of the newcomers. Um. You know, that was the Pacers, uh, the first pick the Pacers made in this year's draft. Uh, however, for me, it's a cold take. Uh, for me, it's Bruce Brown. Uh, both Brown and Obi Toppin are great in transition, which is a great compliment to uh, Halliburton's play style. Um, Brown is more versatile than Toppin and has a better resume. Uh, Brown has experience starting. He can come off the bench. He can play multiple positions. Um, and, of course, Brown comes from the Denver Nuggets, who won the uh, NBA Finals this past year. They were, they were sad to see him go. Right. Uh, he averaged uh, 12 points, four rebounds, and three assists in 29 minutes uh, for the world champion Nuggets last season. Toppin averaged seven points, three rebounds, and 16 minutes uh, a game for the Knicks last season. So I think Brown's play style and championship pedigree uh, makes him a huge asset for the Pacers. I mean, having that kind of experience in a locker room, especially if this team is in the playoff hunt, um, is going to mean the world. So I think Brown's going to be a big impact for the Pacers this year. Yeah, I, I think it's a cold take as well, but I'm going to say it's Obi Toppin. Uh, Obi Toppin has a chip on his shoulder as well. He was kind of overlooked and drafted over by the Knicks, and um, he's ready to, to prove he's got what it takes. So I think it's going to be Obi Toppin that's going to be the most pleasant surprise. Bruce Brown is going to be a good player for the team. He's going to be like that locker room guy that is kind of a, a glue but I think when it comes to what you're going to see the most of, I think Obi Toppin's going to jump off the page at you. For sure. 
Um, and then the last hot or cold take, uh, hot or cold, uh, Tyrese Halliburton will be an all-star starter this season. Last year, he made his first all-star game. Uh, the NBA all-star game is in Indy this year, um, which oh, is going to be yeah. real cool. And I mean, I was kind of, I wondered, I, I looked into this because I was like, you know, you see this sometimes in the MLB all-star game. They'll sometimes, you know, if the stars align, if like, let's say the all-star game, the all-star game this past year is in Seattle, Luis Castillo, he, he didn't get the start, but like if he was pitching really well towards the all-star break, they might put Luis Castillo as the starter for the AL because he's the hometown, you know, player. I thought, hmm, has that been something that's happened in uh, the NBA all-star game? Um, and 2018 was the first season the All-Star game went away from the conventional East-West format, went to two superstars picking their teams. Now, granted, it still kind of stayed East-West, but it kind of just changed how the selections are made. Um, and since then, uh, only one All-Star game has featured a starter representing the host city. That was Kemba Walker representing the Hornets at the Charlotte All-Star game in 2019. That season for Kemba... Uh, he averaged 26 points per game, six assists, four rebounds in 2018-2019. Uh, like I said, the 2024 All-Star Game is in Indy. Uh, last year, uh, Halliburton averaged 21 points, 10 assists, four rebounds uh, per game. Uh, and if Halliburton can stay healthy and re can replicate what he did last year, there's no question in my mind that he'll be an All-Star. And looking at some of the uh, rosters these past few years, uh, for the All-Star game, I definitely see an avenue for Halliburton to squeak in. I know he's not, um, you know, he's not one of the kind of marquee All-Stars yet. So maybe, and, you know, that's going to play a factor just as much as anything else. But, of course, maybe to your point earlier about the whole, you know, playing for the Team USA, maybe that helps him in that regard kind of gain some popularity um, with some of those people that will be making the decisions on whether or not he's a starter or not. Um, but uh, for me, it's a hot take. I think this year... Um, you know, I, like I said, I think this team is going to be better. They're going to be a fun team to watch. Um, I think Halliburton, you know, kind of continues to make a push has, you know, you know, breaks out even more this year. Um, and so I think not only does he make the all-star game, he's going to start the all-star game, uh, coming up in February. I want to say this is a hot take because it's an indie. but I just feel like the position he would start at is the position Damian Lillard. Well, I guess, you know, it's tough because you're right. They do pick their own teams now. It's not old East versus West. Okay, I'm going to go hot take then. I'm going hot take um, because it's in Indy. I think somebody will pick him to be their starter because of the um, it being in Indy. And you're right. The Team USA factor is huge as well. Um, this the camaraderie that he made with some of those younger players that are stars as well is is huge. So I'm gonna say it's a hot take, but mostly because it's an indie, and that wins over the home crowd. Yeah, well, and I think too. I mean, there's a chance that the Pacers can be this, you know, because we saw this a while, and, I'm, and look, don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here saying that the Pacers are going to be the Nuggets in a few years. I'm just saying that for a long time, you know, the, the Nuggets were that fun, young team, um, you know, that was kind of, you know, the up-and-coming 
squad. And I think the Pacers can possibly be that team, you know, this year where, you know, they're a fun team to watch. They're a team that maybe some people slept on before the season and now they're better. And I think Halliburton can be, obviously is going to be a big part of that if that's the case. Um, And so, yeah, I think just, you know, there's a chance that if they're kind of the fun, sexy team going into the all-star break, then that helps them even more. And and so I, I think, you know, yeah, he may not be as popular. There are some players that might go ahead of him, but I think uh, there is a chance that they may give the nod to the to the local but kid. The thing that helps him is the fact that he does play a position that is a little bit more of an exciting position, and he is more of an exciting player. Like, if you look at the past, our last all-star was Domas Sabonis. He's not, a, he's not an exciting player. No. He was just a solid player. He was a good player. He made a difference on the court, but Halliburton's at least exciting. And so that adds a different dimension because look the all-star game's not about the best um and it's really about the most entertaining and Halliburton's entertaining um now uh we're gonna go away from the hot and cold takes we're gonna now go to uh over under um we're gonna talk about wins as as well as where uh the Pacers will finish in the east so um as far as wins go um the DraftKings uh, projection right now is uh, over under 38 and a half wins. I'm going over. Uh, the Pacers were 23 and 18 halfway through the season last year, on pace for a 46 and 36 record. Um, also, you know, as I mentioned earlier, they're 28 and 28 with Halliburton uh, in the lineup. Of course, you know he missed some time. Uh, this team has improved every season during the current rebuild, and there's a lot of positive signs. Uh, pointing to a 40-win season, and that's where I think the Pacers are. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be high 40s necessarily, uh, but I, I think it's definitely going to be, you know, in that 500 range. Um, and as far as the East, they finished 11th last season in the Eastern Conference, and I think the Pacers are going to be above that as well. Um, the Bulls finished 10th in the East last season at 40 and 42. So even if the Pacers don't end up at 500, they could finish literally below 500 and they're still got a decent chance with the way the East has been for the last, you know, billion years it feels like. They still will have a chance to be, you know, in the mix in in that range to possibly make the play-in tournament and I think I think the play-in tournament is a really good possibility for this Pacers team. And I, you know, I I get it it's because literally everyone gets an invite to the dance now. Uh, but I still think that uh, you know the Pacers are going to be a team that can get into that play-in tournament. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm going over for the wins and over for the the placement. I think they get over 38 and a half. I think they, I'm going to say roughly probably about 42 to 45 wins. I think is is a strong possibility with this team because look. And yeah, I think they're going to get into the playoffs. They may even get in out. I mean, okay, I guess because it's seven, eight, nine, ten for the the play in. I mean, I think they get in on the higher range of the play in tournament, at least, um, because everybody's like, oh, you look and like the East got better. The Celtics got Drew Holiday now. The Bucks have Damian Lillard. It's like, yeah, the East as a whole got better. But those two teams are already two of the top teams. So it's not like some other team that's kind of middling around there, around the Pacers level, got any better. Look, the Bulls probably got worse. I mean, the Cavs are probably one of the few teams there that you can say are a better team. Um, the Heat, I'm not sold on the Heat. 
anymore. I think that team's starting to fall apart. And I think the losing out on Damian Lillard is going to hurt them. Not only um, that, it just feels like the Heat here lately, they'll have, because I was looking into that too, and I'll get into it more when we make our East uh, predictions for like who makes the Eastern Conference Finals and stuff like that. The The Heat seem to have this, where like because like I looked at the last time they made the NBA Finals, that was what, 2020? In the next two <laughs> years, they were like losing early in the early in the uh, early stages of the postseason and then of course they make the, the finals last year so it seems like they'll have that one year every once in a while where they make a deep run and the rest of the time they're so they're not consistent so i mean i wouldn't bank on them to i mean they could it, it's hard to tell they could either be really awesome and be that team or they could not be that team and who knows how emo jimmy butler is going to be right. um <laughs> um but I just feel like the Pacers made moves to help themselves get better. And the already really good teams got better. So that doesn't move the needle or affect the Pacers at all because those really good teams are already going to be up there in the one, two, three seed line. Well, the Pacers aren't contending up that at that level. I think the Pacers have made the right moves to win more games and to bump themselves up the seeding line. Um, and actually be within the playoffs this year. Um, so yeah, over and over for me. Um, so before we wrap up the Pacers conversation, um, I want to give a bold prediction. Uh, I want each of us to give a bold prediction uh, for this Pacers season. Uh, my bold prediction is the Pacers win their first playoff playoff, not play in playoff game since 2018. Um, I think they make their way into the East bracket and get a playoff win. It may not be as a, you know, it may be as an eight seed. It may that be them getting, you know, it may mean they they lose four to one against the Bucks in the first round of the postseason. But I think they get their first win because I think that kind of, like I said, that that that's what kind of soured us on covering the Pacers all the time. And it's not to say that we're bandwagon fans. It's just you know, hey, we you know tired of talking about the Pacers losing. Um, and so it's like. Good local teams gets more views. Exactly. Bad local teams don't. Exactly. And it's like, um, you know, because not only it seemed like for like, because there were years, of course, not too long ago, and especially in the early days of the podcast, like the Pacers were going toe to toe with, you know, the the LeBron Cleveland teams and were actually you know, holding their own. And then towards the end there, it was, yep, the Pacers got swept again. That kind of sucks. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it wasn't a whole lot to talk about. So I think, um, I think now, um, they're in a good. They're like we've said, they're getting into a good spot, and I think that they actually make the postseason. They make the actual bracket itself, and they uh, end up winning a postseason game. I think that's where they're at. Hey, we, you know, as as we speak right now, the Twins ended their like eighteen year playoff drought where they had not won a playoff game. If that can end, so can the Pacers streak. I think they win a playoff game this year. I don't know if you can really call mine a bold prediction, but. It's something that just hasn't happened in a long time. The Indiana Pacers get two players into the All-Star game. Obviously, it's not too of a bolder prediction. I think Tyrese Halliburton gets in. Um, and then that second spot, I'm either going to say it's Miles Turner or Benedict Mathurin. Um, so I'm going to say that's that's my bold prediction. Two players on the on the All-Star rosters for the Indiana Pacers. I like that. I think that's uh, very attainable. I think that, that that could be good. 
Um, and so, if yeah. that happens, that's you're going, you're moving in the right direction as far as entertainment value goes. Yeah. And then maybe that means maybe they'll get off of Bali Sports Network. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be tough is the fact that it's so, you know, impossible. You can't watch the game. Right, exactly. Um, so before we wrap up, I uh, definitely want to get into some NBA predictions on the whole. Um, we, I want to give East Finals, West Finals, and then our, our NBA Finals prediction. Uh, I'll go ahead and give my East-West, and B. Scott, you give your East-West, and then we'll wrap it up with the Finals. Um, so for me, Eastern Conference Finals, my prediction, I'm going off the reservation here. This is going to be the most off-the-wall prediction ever. I'm going Bucks over Celtics um, to uh, <laughs> to to uh, be the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the Bucks get a, the leg up because of the Lillard trade. You know, I thought about predicting uh, the Bucks over the Cavs. Um, I thought that would be kind of a fun pick, you know, kind of going off, off the same, you know, idea of my, like the Eagles beating the lions and the NF in the NFC championship game. I think, uh, you know, that would be cool to see the Cavs on that level again. Uh, the heat always seem to be a pesky team, uh, come the postseason. Um, you know, like I said, it, it seems like they either are, you know, you never know what you're going to get come the postseason. Either they're going to be that, you know, team that, goes toe-to-toe with the team we thought was going to be, you know, uh, Eastern Conference Finals lock, or they flame out in the first round. You just never know. Um, uh, but the Celtics have made three Conference Finals appearances in the last five years, and I think they get back there. I mean, they've, they've consistently get back to that stage every single year, it seems like. And then over in the West, uh, I've got the Warriors over the Nuggets. Um, it's hard to pick against Denver getting back to at least the West Finals, so that's why I have them there. Um, I'd like to have the Suns there in a postseason series, but I just think the Warriors are better. I actually forgot Chris Paul is on the Warriors. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so I think that gives them a strong contention. And, you know, yeah, KD is on the Suns, but I don't know. I feel like, you know, it, it seems weird to say this about KD, but I feel like he's not been super reliable in the postseason, mostly because of injury. Um, so I, I don't know where they're going to, where they're going to be at, if they're going to be, I mean, I, I know they've got more than just Kevin Durant, but I mean, obviously that's the piece they're hoping gets them over the edge. Um, and I don't, you know, it's, it's hard to tell if he's going to be healthy or not, um, you know, come the postseason. So, uh, Warriors over Nuggets for me, that sets up a Warriors and Bucks NBA finals. So, you know, Spoiler alert, I'm also going with the, the Bucks and the Celtics in the East Conference Finals as well. But look, those two teams are the best teams in the East. It's them and then there's everybody else, just to be honest. But I'm going to actually, I'm going to take the Celtics over the Bucks. Honestly, I mean, yeah, Damian Lillard is going to be a huge addition for the Bucks. I think, though, they are going to regret losing Drew Holiday because now Drew Holiday is with the Celtics, I think that helps the Celtics. Look, Drew Holiday is like one of those guys, kind of like a Bruce Brown, where he is a glue guy. He is that guy, that kind of that piece that brings everything together. He's not your star player, but man, he's going to do and everything he needs to do to help your team win. He's going to make your team better. Um, and I, I feel like him going to the Celtics, wow, that team... I mean, you got you still have Jason Tatum, you still got Jalen Brown, you got Kristaps Porzingis. You, I mean, yeah, they lost Marcus Smart, and uh, now 
Robert Williams as well. But man, and Malcolm Brogdon. But I really do like the addition of Drew Holiday for them. And I think that puts them over the top to get to the NBA finals. They've been so close here recently. And it's, you know, it, it kind of has that feel of early LeBron, you know, the early LeBron led Cavs where so close and then finally get over the hump to get to the finals. I think that's the case for the Celtics this year. Out West, I am going with the Warriors um, over the Suns. Um, I just feel like the Suns are going to, they always, the Suns always just seem to turn it on in the postseason a little bit. Um, And I'm afraid that for the Nuggets, again, these glue type players, the loss of Bruce Brown is, is going to affect them. Not immensely. I mean, they're still going to make a deep run in everything. And I wouldn't be surprised if they make a run to the finals. But right now I'm just picking the Warriors over the Suns because I feel like this could potentially be the last run for the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And they know it. It's that that their time is starting to come to a close. And um, they're looking to go out with a bang. So I got the Warriors versus the Celtics in the NBA Finals. All right, so I think uh, we're we're kind of on the same wavelength. Uh, it seems we'll see if our uh, NBA Finals align here. My NBA Finals is I have the Warriors over the Bucks in the NBA Finals. I think a lot of people are going with the Bucks right now after the trade for Lillard, so I'm just gonna zag on that for the most part uh, because I think I mean I'm not gonna get into the nitty gritty of of uh, this matchup at the moment because I, I you know I like I said I think you know that, you know they're two really good teams and again. Uh, who doesn't love the storyline? Uh, that would be Chris Paul getting a ring finally. If that were to happen, that would be really awesome. And then for IU fans still listening to the program, if you are still listening, uh, Trace Jackson Davis get a ring as well. Uh, he's on the Warriors, um, so that would you know be uh, you know something I'm sure IU fans would love to to uh, hold over you know people's heads is oh hey look Trace Jackson Davis has an NBA uh championship so um I I think I've got the Warriors over the Bucks uh to get a championship and yeah you're right this is probably one of the not not the one of the last ones they'll get but definitely as they start to kind of come back down to earth of course I mean some would say they've already been back down to earth they hadn't won before a couple years ago they hadn't won since like what 2018 um or something like that but still i think you know this might be their championship window is definitely closer to close than it is open so who knows if uh they're on the the kind of the tail end here so i I got the warriors over the bucks in the nba finals yeah i have the warriors over the celtics because of the same thing look their, their window's coming to a close they realize it but at the same time i think chris paul's career is coming to a close and they want him to be able to go out on top I mean, this is a team that, you know, always has played. They were always playing for something or somebody else that, you know, you never can ever. I don't know why, but the Warriors are just one of those teams that you just can't hate them. I don't know no. if it's because I, I don't know if it's because of the underdog mentality they've had where a lot of these their players have had for a while. Like Steph Curry was always kind of that underdog player that was outperforming his physical attributes. Um or this the wholesome nature you feel from that team when you like you see Steph Curry and his daughter. I mean, I don't know. It's just well, there's I mean, just I mean, you've got the, you know Steve Kerr, who's a great coach, very likable coach. You've got Chris. You've got a uh, Stephen Curry. 
who is, you know, a very a very likable superstar. He's never really been considered, at least in my mind, I'm sure some OKC fans or some, you know, Clippers fans or whoever probably think that he might be a villain, but he's not really been that villain. He's been he's been especially because they played in the finals against each other, he was kind of the great like anti person to LeBron for a while. So I think a lot of people who hated LeBron like Curry because he kept beating him in the finals. Um, so you've got that. And then the fact that this team, you know, in the age of super teams, we've talked about it on the podcast before, you know, in the age of super teams, they've got a super team, but by growing it, by growing it from, I mean, you know, they, I mean, sure. Yeah. They got KD you know, for those last couple of championships, but like they, those first few when they were winning 73 games, I know they didn't win the finals that season. I'm just saying when they were in that, you know, streak of winning a bunch of games, they had, you know, Steph who they drafted. They had Draymond who they drafted. They had Clay who they drafted. Like they didn't, they weren't going out and saying, Hey, which three superstars want to come to San Francisco, Oakland to, you know, to win some NBA finals. Like, no, it was all kind of homegrown, which you love to see. So there's a lot of likability with that. And franchise. they have stuck with that team. Yeah. I mean, that trio there has stayed. They've had every opportunity to maybe want to go to an even bigger market than San Francisco. And they've stuck it out highs and lows. I mean, that trio saw quite a few lows as well. So, I don't know. I, I feel that's a good story. So, I'm going with the Warriors to win the NBA championship this year. I like where your head's at. I think I think that's a good good way to good way to look at it because I think they're going to be there too. So, well, on that note, it's going to be the Lakers. <laughs> like, gosh, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, I mean, it's hard to tell because, like, you know. The, like, yeah, Lakers. I don't even know if they're going to struggle. Well, but also, like, do you, if you're LeBron, do you want the Lakers to struggle so they can then maybe draft Bronny? Or do you want them, like, are you going to do well? Like, it's, it's going to be. Look, they can be middle of the pack and they can get Bronny. Everybody's putting Bronny up on this pedestal, and I don't even know if Bronny's going to be able to play basketball. True. True. I mean, that heart condition. That's the real deal. Yeah. So, I mean, he might be able to play in college, but I don't know if anybody's going to take a chance on him in the pros health-wise for him, just for a personal thing. But I, everybody thinks because his last name is James and his dad is LeBron, he's automatically going to be a number one overall pick and the greatest next great player. It's like, guys, he's, he's good, but he's uh, – like, I don't think that – I think that's why he ended up at USC. To be honest, I think all the Blue Bloods recruited him because if they didn't, that looked bad. But I think deep down, I don't think anybody – I don't think the, the big Blue Bloods really all really wanted him. I mean, look, it came down to like Ohio State and USC, and he chose USC because that's where his family's at. Right. So. Well, that will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course Podcast. Thank you guys all for hanging out. Remember, you can like us on Facebook, 3C Media. You can find us on Twitter at 3C Media Sports. Go over to the YouTube channel if you're not already there. If you listen to us on the podcast app, go over to the YouTube channel, hit subscribe, ring the bell. Um, also, go check out the TikTok channel as well, 3C Media, over on that end. Uh, and remember, you can listen to us every week on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Spotify, wherever podcasts can be heard. You can hear the Crash Course podcast. You can find me at Crash Course FM on Twitter. B. Scott, where the can they find you? Find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Scott 87. 
Well, we previewed the NBA this week. Next week, we're going to be previewing some college basketball. It's going to be a lot of fun uh, diving into Purdue, IU, Notre Dame, all that fun stuff. It'll be a good podcast. Can't wait to bring it to you. But until then, have a good week, everybody.